Well, thank you, everybody. Um, who was that person you're introducing? Yeah. Who was that? Doesn't sound like me. Excellent. Great, great to be with you today. And I have a, a rich connection over the years with this church uh, as well, like Lorraine. I'll tell you about it one day when we've got enough time. Well, I recently called to see a friend of mine called Gary Hoogfleet. Who's ever heard of Gary Hoogfleet? Gary is a very tall man. He's involved in uh, Shine Television. He, he uh, interviews uh, famous people around the world, famous Christian celebrities, so to speak. He runs a program on Southern Star each day in the afternoons, and he's, he's quite a man. He's also a very tall man. He's about six foot six. I remember going with my granddaughter Jasmine to his home and uh, saying, now, Jazz, we're going to meet a friend of mine. Don't be surprised. He's very short. When he opens the door, try not to look surprised. Just treat him normally and be friendly. Knocked on the door. Gary opens the door. My granddaughter goes. <laughs> a very tall man. Let me show you a photograph of Gary. <coughs> That's what I would call a tall man. So, here's something else. I went round to his house and sitting there at his door are his shoes and his boots. And when I looked at his boots and his shoes, there's this photo of Gary. Oh, and by the way, there's another photograph of a very tall friend of mine called Lewis. Look how tall those guys are compared with me. I'm just a short guy, and they're all so big. When I stood at Gary's door, I looked at his boots, and I put my shoe down beside his. And I thought, wow, what a difference. I thought, before I even knocked on the door or rang his doorbell, I thought I'd take a few photographs before I went in. It was so capturing my interest. I found I could put, put my shoe inside his boot. And I realized that God was giving me a sermon. There's an old saying that says, you can't walk in another man's shoes. <clears throat> you can't walk to make it gender neutral in another person's shoes. It's so powerful. You cannot be that person. I cannot be you. You cannot be me. I want to talk to you this morning about that topic. You can't walk in another man's 
or another person's shoes. You cannot be somebody else. Be yourself because everybody else has already taken it. Rise to be who you are. <clears throat> Don't compare yourself with somebody else, but rather celebrate the person whom God has made you to be. Don't reject yourself. Embrace the person God created you to be. Bible says we do not dare class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves, they're not wise. Don't compare yourself. We all have a role to play. We all have a function. Everyone has their own role to play. You might think a pawn, if you play chess, is just a little piece on the board. But positioned correctly and moving in its strengths, it can take a queen, it can take a rook, it can take a knight. Just by being in the right place at the right time, functioning in the way that they were made to function. God made you with a function. God made you uniquely who you are to be somebody who you are. B.R. Root, there's that little slide you sent me over the week, just this week. He showed me that last Sunday, and I said, send that to me, would you? And she did. You see, <coughs> if you're a banana, be a banana. Because that's what you were made to be. A banana can try to be an apple, but it will always be a second-rate apple. And it will always look like a banana, and everyone will always know, hey, you're not really an apple. You're trying to be one. And if you're an apple, don't try and be a banana. Because you'll always be a second-rate banana. Try as you may to be something different. Be whom God made you to be. Well, think about somebody in Scripture today. His name is David. I want you to consider this young man. And look at some portions of Scripture from 1 Samuel 16 and 1 Samuel 17 this morning. Who was David? Well, David was a shepherd boy. He was a young man of worship and warfare. I remember that. He knew how to worship and he knew how to war. How did he learn that? He learned that as a young man out in the hills. Just looking after sheep. He was given just some giftings at the beginning. He was given a musical instrument, a harp. He would play that out on the hills. And he was given a sling. 
He was given who God made him to be. Young man, harp, sling, and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The anointing of God. Something very precious on our life that transforms who we are and makes us into what God wants us to be is the anointing of God. And the anointing of God, the Bible says, breaks every yoke. What do I mean by the anointing? Well, the anointing, I will define it this way, it's the power and the presence of God. But even in a, in a, even more than that, we could say that the anointing of God is God on flesh doing those things that flesh cannot do. It is God taking the ordinary, <coughs> you and I, and making something extraordinary and using something extraordinary. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. So that we can say, as it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. He created you uniquely wonderful. But you know what? When he adds his anointing, it just goes to another level. God was anointed <coughs> to be king by Samuel. When Samuel, it says in 1 Samuel 16 and verse 16, that Samuel was looking for God's anointing on the person that he had chosen. But God said to him in verse 7 that he was not to look on the appearance as, he looked, as Samuel looked for this new king. Do not look at the appearance of the person because that will put you wrong. Because God looks on the heart and God looks on your heart. God sees what no one else sees. He sees you the way he created you. And he sees the person that God has created you to be. And let it be that was as we look at one another, that we look on the heart of a person. And so Samuel finds this young man from the hills, with the sheep, with integrity, with skill, with abilities to play that harp and to use that sling and to hit the mark. For many hours, David would play. Time was on his side. For many hours, he'd take that sling, and at first, very inaccurate. Ever tried to take a sling and have a go with that? 
very inaccurate. But in time, he started to hone that skill, that gift that God gave him. And he grew it. And Samuel comes along and he anoints David and one day Saul has got this troubling spirit that comes upon him. And they don't know what to do about it. Then a servant of Saul says, I've got just the guy. David, when he plays that harp, he's like Matthew when he plays the guitar. He has skill and ability and anointing. That bit wasn't in the Bible, Matthew. I just added that bit. So they send for him. And they bring David in before Saul. And here's what it says in 1 Samuel 16 and verse 16, if you're taking notes there. Let our master now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is a skillful player on the harp. And it shall be that when he shall play it with his hand, the distressing spirit from God that which is upon you shall depart, you shall be refreshed, and you shall be well. And so they send, and they get this man, David. It says in verse 18 of 1 Samuel 16, one of the servants answered and said, Look, I have seen the son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing. He's a mighty man. He's a man of war. See that? He's a man of worship. He's a man of war. And he is wise in speech. And so they send and he plays. And the distressing spirit leaves Saul and he is refreshed. Only a boy named David with a skill that he was good at. And he used it and release was brought to other people's lives. Can I tell you that when you let God use your skill and your talents and the unique way that he's made you, when you will do that, you will see people refreshed. I saw a program recently about some, uh, a, a soccer team from Thailand trapped in a cave on Netflix. Anyone ever seen that one? You've got to watch that one. That's a not-to-be-missed little series. These boys go into a cave. They get lost because the waters of the floods and the rains that were torrential pouring upon Thailand, the waters began to rise and they could not find their way out of the cave. They had to send for experts from around the world to come in. And they added and they worked together 
And these boys who were lost were found. They sent divers in. They managed to get them out. In case you've not seen the series, I won't tell you how. But when they came out, the people cheered and shouted. A bit like what happened with Saul when David played his harp. He was refreshed and he was made new again. And I believe this, that there are some people that are lost who don't know who they are, that are in the darkness. And God has got skilled people who will love you, who will seek for you, who will encourage you. The Holy Spirit will encourage you to be who God created you to be. But God will send people into your life who will love you. They will find you in the darkness. And they will bring you out into the light. And when you come out to be who you really are, the people will shout, the people will cheer, and the people will say, we've found them. We've found whom we're looking for. We've found Kathy King. We've found Anthony. We've found Matthew, the guitar player. What a wonderful thing to discover who we are and to love it and to be it. Try and walk in another man's shoes, it's a waste of time. You can't be somebody else. You can only be yourself and you've got to rise up to be yourself. Rise up, Angela, you were telling me about rising up to be the bride. Rise up to be the bride. Rise up to be whom God created you to be. Let the restrictions be removed. Let freedom come. Let freedom be in the heart. Let freedom be in the mind. Let every person be the person. God created you to be because you are unique. God loves you. And you are God's gift to your community and to your world. Moving on with the story of David, he is asked <coughs> or, or is, becomes involved in the battle with Goliath in 1 Samuel 17. One day he's just faithfully serving God and he goes to the battlefront. And they are looking for someone. Goliath was looking for someone, and so were the Israelites, looking for someone who would go and fight this giant Goliath. There are many giants in our land many giants in our community, many giants in people's lives. Would you be a David? Because David stepped forward and said, I will go and I will fight against this man. 
when Saul heard that David was going to go and fight Goliath, he says, you can't do this. You're too young. You're just a youth, it says in verse 33 of 1 Samuel 17. Saul says, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. You are a youth, but he is a man of war from his youth. You know how old David was, by the way, when he went to fight against Goliath? Anyone like to have a, have a go at that? Would he be maybe in his 30s? How old was he, do you think? Have a go. 16, good, great. So did I hear a 15? Yeah. He could have been as young. He was certainly less than 20. He could have been as young as 15. He could even have been, research shows, between 12 and 15 years of age. See, we negate people. God doesn't. We say they're too young. God says they're not too young. We say they're too old. God says they're not too old. The restrictions we put on ourselves are ones that we put on our own thinking. What stops you becoming the person God created you to be? Our thinking. And our words. And we don't see ourselves how God sees us. David says to Saul, don't worry, God's got this, and I can handle it. He said, moreover, in verse 37, 1 Samuel 17, I know you're following me there in your Bibles, on your phone or whatever, he says, to Saul, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. See what he had? He had history. He had a slingshot. He was skilled. He was skilled in music and worship. He was skilled with a sling in war. Think of David, worship and war. What a, what a powerful blend in someone's life. And Saul said to him, okay, go. And the Lord be with you. And Saul had this great idea. He said, David, I've got some armor. And Saul came to David and he clothed him with his armor. And he put a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed him with a coat of mail. So David said, okay, I'll try this. He fastened his sword to his armor and he tried to walk, for he had not tested them, he had not proven them. Now, by the way, when I was talking to Gary, Hoogfleet, I told him what I was doing today. I said, Gary, why don't you come? The more I talked to him, he said, 
the more I'm listening to you, the more I'm convinced that I'm not going to be coming. So I don't know what I was saying, was putting him off or something. I said, right, Gary, would you, knowing I'm going, have you got something to help me with? He said, take my armour. So he, he lent me a few of his clothes. So I thought, I'll try these out. Like Paul said to David, here, try these, use these. So he gave me a shirt. Big Gary. I won't try and put this on, but you can maybe get some idea of the size of the man. Here. So there it was. That's not going to work. He gave me this beautiful jacket that I could um, that I could use. So that was good. With his jacket on. before the battle, which is now, um, just before the battle, I thought I'd try it on before I came. Well, wasn't going to go so well. It's a photo, photo opportunity right there. And not only did he give me his jacket, but he gave me his shoes. Wow, pretty good. He said, take my shoes, Steve, he said. I won't be there myself, but you're welcome to try those. So I tried them on. And I won't spend any time <laughs> trying to tie them up. I'll just waste our time. But um, put my own shoes on. Put on Gary's shoes. Now, here's the thing about when you wear someone else's shoes and their jacket. You can do okay for a while, but it's not going to help you in those difficult positions going up and down stairs. And if I try to run across here, I can do it to a degree, but I can't really run in someone else's shoes. I can't really walk in someone else's shoes. Short time, yes. Long time, no. And whenever I try and walk someone else's walk, it's not going to work. I mean, when I get these off, I just about fell over then. When I get these off, get my own shoes back on, Oh, yes, what a difference. I can now move with ease. I can go up and down steps. I can run. And you've got to learn to run in your own shoes. In so many different ways and little ways, we are different to each other. Paul Burke, I heard you get up here two or three Sundays in a row and you just got up and you shared a few pizza jokes. <laughs> and you had that cheeky little smile afterwards. 
Now, I don't think that would work for me. See? We're all different. We're all different. We sing different. Alice has got a, a marvellous voice. I wouldn't try and match that. Alice loves going around, and, and I, go, I see him go up, and he slaps his hand on people's heads during the service. Well, that's not me, but that's Alistair. See? I can't be Kathy. Kathy can't be me. I can try and be like Kathy. Why would I? I've got to walk in my own shoes, and you've got to walk in yours. I can hear a great preacher be inspired by a great preacher, wish that I could preach like them, try and preach like them, and fall flat on my face. Because you can't walk in another man's shoes. Be who you are. The world waits for you. The world claps for you. When you are who you are, People get happy and people get free because you are free. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these for I have not tested them. Own yourself. Even enjoy being yourself. Charles Swindoll, Dr. Charles Swindoll, he talks about some animals who were really good at certain things. And it was agreed that they would start a special school that would help to improve their general welfare. And that the curriculum for these animals, the curriculum would involve swimming, running, climbing, and flying. And they would try and help all these animals in the school to become really fantastic. The main contestants in the school was a duck, a rabbit, a squirrel, and an eagle. Well, the duck was actually an excellent swimmer. Oh, by the way, there's a great quote worth taking note of. Let's look at this one here. If a man is called to be a street sweeper, Martin Luther King Jr. said, he should sweep streets even as Michelangelo painted, or Beethoven composed music, or Shakespeare wrote poetry. He should sweep streets so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth would pause to say, here lived a great street sweeper who did his job well. Amen? Do your job well. And this is, the duck was an excellent swimmer. But the duck was deficient in other areas. He was not so good at things that they tried to make him good at. He was deficient in other areas, and so they thought, mm, we're going to help this duck to get better at climbing, 
running, flying, but it was much to the detriment of his swimming. The rabbit, well, he was a superior runner, but he was forced to spend so much of his time in other classes that he soon lost much of his famed speed. There was a squirrel in the school, and the squirrel had been rated an A as a climber, but he dropped to a C because his instructor spent hours trying to teach him to swim and to fly. It was never going to work. And the eagle, well, the eagle was disciplined for soaring to the treetops, which he had been born to do. But they tried to teach the eagle how to climb and to, and, and, and to um, do other things when flying was the most natural thing for him. What are we saying? You be you. Let the eagle be the eagle. Let the rabbit be the rabbit. And don't try and make yourself into something, but rather develop the strengths that are in your life. Think of a bike, a pursuit bike, or a mountain bike. A pursuit bike, if you get those on the tracks in Olympic Games, there's only one gear, no brakes, but man, the speed that they can get is phenomenal. But you know, you can't climb hills on those. You can't go up rough tracks because a mountain bike's built to do that. And when a mountain bike is at its strength, is not on the track racing at high speed, but it's turning corners and going up hills, rough terrain. What an amazing thing when the mountain bike becomes the mountain bike and the pursuit bike becomes the pursuit bike. Be who you are. Develop who you are. Begin to experiment with who you are. And as you begin to experiment with who you are, you'll find who you are. The great church growth expert Peter Wagner, I heard him at a pastor's conference. He speaks to great crowds. But he actually said, you know, I can speak to great crowds, but I'm actually at my best with a small group in front of me. Find what you're good at and be who you are and affirm who you are and when you are who you are, the multitudes will be blessed. And we will see that everybody is important and that everybody matters. David slew Goliath because God used his gifting and God used who he was. He had integrity. He had skill. And he was chosen and called by God. The boy with the fish that we heard about last week, they said, we've just got a boy here with some loaves and fishes. Not just. We have loaves and fishes and a boy. God will use that. Moses had a rod. It became the rod of God. And God brought freedom. What are we saying today? 
You can't walk in someone else's shoes, but you can be yourself. Running your race. Paul said, I have finished the race that God set before me. And that's what God sets before you. Your race. My prayer today is that you would know the freedom of the Holy Spirit to be the person God created you to be. Father, today we pray in the name of Jesus Christ that the people would be released, that we would each, Lord, not have to spend a lifetime becoming who you created us to be, but we would be the person whom you created us to be. And we would, Lord, outgrow the garments and we would grow within that lane and we would know an enlargement in our life by the Spirit of God. Pray today for your pastor. For I pray for Alistair today. I pray that God you have uniquely created him who he is. May he run his race. May he know, Lord, that you are enlarging the place of his territory, that you are broadening him, Lord, that you are bringing him into new areas, Lord. I want to thank you for Gary. I want to thank you, Lord, that you've created him today in a unique way. But you've gifted him, Lord. May he fully discover what that means. May he grow in that. Because when he does, Lord, he's going to refresh and bless many people. For you're going to enlarge many other lives through his life. For each of us today, Lord, we don't want to come to the end of our life, Lord. We don't want to come and say, we never had our mark. We never ran our race. But Lord, today, we embrace it. We embrace it. We embrace it. Just can I encourage you now as we're concluding, just embrace, embrace, embrace who you are. Enjoy who you are. Say, God, I'm at rest. I'm at peace. I'm at peace with who you made me to be. I'm growing, Lord. I'm not there yet, but I'm growing, Lord. I'm growing, I'm growing, like a, like a seed, like an acorn, like an acorn, Paul, in your heart. The seed of God is planted, and it's growing, and it's growing. And as you just relax in whom God made you to be, you're going to run faster and run further than you could ever do in your own strength, for it is the anointing that brings you through. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, some of us have only just begun, but God has given us talents. I could go right around this room today, Dion. I could go right and say, you know, there's so much more as we become whom God created us to be. We thank you now, Lord, for releasing, Lord, every one of our lives and hearts, Lord, for the glory of God. In Jesus' name we pray and we embrace it. Amen.
Amen.